Pulls up the three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. A warm welcome to the MVP cast from me, Mark Woods. Hope you're having a terrific summer. And basketball hasn't really stopped, has it? This week, the highlight of this particular off-season. It is Eurobasket 2022. It was Great Britain's men hoping to pull off a tiny bit of history by making it out of the group stages for the very first time. Now, it's not an easy ask. Some might say this is the group of death from the initial phase which splits up the 24 teams into four pools of six, all of them hosted in different cities, GB in Milan, with the remaining pools in Cologne, Tbilisi and Prague. The math's really simple. Top four in each group moves on to the knockout phases, which will be staged in Berlin. Now, this is my seventh Eurobasket, and I can't remember one with a quite as much NBA talent on display right across the event, across all the groups. Ample in Group C, which is where GB will be opening their campaign on Friday afternoon against Ukraine. The schedule for them, Saturday, they face Croatia, Monday against Greece, Tuesday against Estonia, and they finish up next Thursday evening against the group hosts Italy. But what are GB's chances? Well, they've qualified for four of the last five editions of Eurobasket going back to Poland in 2009. The combined record, oof, painful reading, four wins and 14 losses. But the constant throughout that streak has been the co-captain Dan Clark. And I asked him just how this group of players compared to the ones which have gone before. Well, I mean, I think it's the same story when we talk about a lot of things um, with, you know, with the history of the GB or the recent history of GB, you know, since since the formation, you know, of the home countries in 2006. I think, you know, you know, obviously before the Olympics, you've got, you know, a lot of big, big names, you know, in the history of British basketball, you know, with the Andy Betts, the Rob Archibalds, the, you know, the Loires, the Popses and people like that, um, you know, that, that were, I think, and still are, um, to a certain extent, household names. Um, and I think we had that, that lull in the middle, you know, the Eurobasket in 2013, 2017, when there weren't many people that were generally known and, and generally didn't have the experience that those other guys had had. You know, and, and I do think at this Eurobasket now, I think we are getting to a stage now where we, you know, we do have another group of players that are playing at a much higher level, um, and the talent, the talent pool to select from is again, you know, a lot, a lot deeper, um, a lot broader, and and it covers, you know, pretty much every position to to a level that you know that we believe is is good enough to to make some more noise than we have done in the past, in the, more in the past few years anyway. Do you feel like given the time, I mean, the talent, I mean, this is a this group of death. I mean, the, the, the players and the talent in this group are phenomenal. Yeah. But obviously, you've got some continuity in the sense most of those teams are bringing in NBA players, players who don't play regularly for them. Is that, I guess, the trump card here, that you go in with that continuity, with that core, with that familiarity, that might just help the, the sum of the parts be bigger than... You know, talent would suggest. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think you know our team is our biggest strength. Um, you know, you hear about, you know, you hear about the likes of Greece and the likes of uh, Croatia bringing in their NBA talent and, and things like that. But as you said, they haven't played with them, but we have played together for you know for a good chunk of time now. Um, 
you know, we know the, the ins and outs of each other's games and we know as a team what what's success, successful and what's not. Um, obviously in basketball as any other sport, you know, there's no substitute for talent, but I do think the the team chemistry and the and the togetherness and the willing to win that we have for each other, I think that, that can go a long way and hopefully it's it can go go far enough to, to take us to a few wins. Do you have a different vibe um when you get to go up against NBA talent? I mean you you, you know you will presumably match up against Janus. Here's a guy that's a two time NBA P. You go back to twenty twelve when you guys played the USA in those exhibition games. As a player, I mean yeah, you're a fan of basketball. Can, is that a special occasion for you when you get to pitch yourself against some of the best players in the world? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I think any basketball player at this level, any elite basketball player, wants to play against the best and wants to compete against the best and wants to prove that they, you know, they're as good or or they can at least deserve to be on the same court as that player. Um, and I think that's you know it's that competitiveness, that you know that will to win, that you know that hunger. I think is something that. You know, opportunities like this bring out the best in those in those aspects. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm personally speaking really looking forward to the challenge. You know, I'm really looking forward to you know putting my game up against his basically, um, and seeing who's better on the day. Um, and that's what. And in the end of the day, if you break basketball down to its bare bones, that's what it comes down to. Um, so, and I think that's the beautiful part of the sport. You know, you take away all these other. Uh, you know, you take away all the the media attention, take away the other stuff. You just break basketball down to its bare bones and say, you know, it is it is literally a competition of who is better on the day. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can come come out on top more often than not. Do you mentally change the way you approach that? Maybe you know, possibly to tell yourself, don't worry about the name. You know, play play the number rather than the name on the back is, is the kind of cliche. But do you, um, does, does it does it switch mentally for you when you're going up against someone of you know? that kind of calibre I, I mean obviously it does change but I do I do think that competitiveness and that you know that almost that dog inside you does you know has that same mentality to a lesser or more more of an extent every game you know you want to get the better of the person in front of you you want to you want to win you want to you know you want to in that play you want to stop him or you want you, know, you want to score on him basically and I think you know that mentality whether it's more or less is always there uh, obviously against a you know, a, a better player or a player who's considered to be better is, you know, you know that that hunger or that um, that will to win maybe a, will obviously be a lot more. Um, you know, and I think you know part of that is controlling it and still, you know, as I said before, playing to our strengths and making sure that we, as a team, win. Not you know, don't win that individual battle if you're not going to win. You know, the team, the team, team game. Is there a sort of, I mean, there's been great. GP teams and go back to Poland probably your first one where there was a team there that probably should have made the second round and you know this has been a team that's that's been consistently good but not find that breakthrough win I mean in this sort of group you know and you, you've got your Greece and Italy with the Calibre and the Croatia but there is that fourth split pace will you kind of do you think there's a group that's there for the taking this time that has to be a target in a sense to try and finally make something of a Eurobasket? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I've been involved in quite a few Eurobaskets now and I do think, um, you know, you've mentioned the teams of 2009, 2011 um, and I, you know, you mentioned the word before, like the group of death um, and I think they were, you know, they were a group of death. You know, we're in... 
we're in groups where, you know, I think it was in 2009, yeah, the three teams that qualified from our group made the semi-finals. You know, in 2011, you're playing against Lithuania at home, Turkey with, you know, their the NBA players and, and Spain, you know, and they're the three teams that qualified, you know, and the same in 2017 with that group. You know, it was always going to be a very, very, very difficult task, you know, and, and as you said before, this year I think we do have a leg- real le- legitimate chance of, you know, of making that second round and, and you know, taking that a next step in on our journey, you know, and I think that's, that is our next step, it is proving that we can, you know, we can get out of the group stages and, and start to play a bit of knockout basketball. I mean, how much of that comes from the experience of this group? Because there's no, there's no real first timers in this. Everyone's been in the program for two, three, four, in your case, a decade and more. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess there's players now that have been there, done it, have taken the tough losses, but also, as we've seen in recent times, find it hard to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think that come, you know, comes down to again, you know, our, our strength as a group. You know, our strength as a as one unit. You know, I think that time together, you know, going through tough times, but also learning how to win together is is definitely going to be a positive going into Eurobasket. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a great opportunity. Great opportunity. With Nate, you've obviously played with him, so you knew him in that kind of role. You was assistant coach for for Eurobasket as well. Now you've you've got him for an extended period of time this summer. Um, describe what he's like. You know, as a, as a coach behind the scenes, how how does Nate the player change from Nate the coach? Um, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think you know to describe both Nate the player and Nate the coach. I think it's you know it's important to understand Nate as the person, and Nate Nate as the person hasn't changed. You know, he's still that um, kind of laid back, you know, quiet guy. Obviously, in the position he's in now, he has to be more vocal and he has to almost lead from the front. But he's still that, you know, very approachable, good to talk to, lot of knowledge type of guy. That you know, every time you talk to, you think you've learned something basically. And I think he's really starting to um, pass it onto the group. Um, I think the the positivity and the yeah, and I mean, we all know what you know. There's different types of coaches. You know, coaches that shout a lot more, coaches that are, are harder on you. But I think Nate's almost positive um, way of coaching us is really starting to, to come to the forefront and I think it's going to be you know, the, you know it's what we need as a team and we need to be positive with each other and and with coach and, and you know vice versa you know so I think that's going to be a real positive for us at the moment. Can you ever roll back that dynamic to when you were teammates in the trenches together or going you know, to as we remember, small hotels in the middle of Europe, and then obviously the great stage of the Olympics. But yeah, do, do you, have you kind of all parked that, or are the times where you'll sit down over a beer after a game and go remember that time Lowell won us a game, or yeah, you know, we were in Switzerland somewhere. Yeah, I mean, definitely, we definitely always talk about you know the past, and you know, I had a nice moment with Nate on the court the other day where we were doing a shooting drill. Um, like pick and roll drill, and you know, it just felt like the old days kind of thing. You know, rolling back the rolling back the clocks a bit. You know, um, you know, Nate coming off to his left hand and just flicking the ball back. It was uh, it was kind of a trip down memory lane a bit. But um, but yeah, I mean, we definitely talk about the old times. You know, we were uh, we were talking about the song that Archibald and, and Betts had on the bus the other day, um, and, th- and things like that. You know, so there's always memories from the past that come up. Um, you know, and I'm happy and lucky enough to have, have lived quite a few memories with Nate, so it's great. 
Do you appreciate these tournaments more? Because, see, World Cup qualifiers are going. I don't know where GB will end up with that. But Eurobasket's come around but once every four years now. You're 33. This could be the last tournament. Do you, do you start to try and take things in as, as people often do when they get to the, I don't want to say your twilight of your career, but, you know, the, the second half of the career, let's put it diplomatically. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I think it's the same in life. And the older you get, the more you appreciate things. You know, and I'm extremely grateful and appreciative of the opportunity that's that's in front of me now. Um, you know, going to a fifth Eurobasket, it's you know, it's a great, great accomplishment. But it's something that you know, I don't. I mean, I don't want. I don't think I deserve to be here. I think I deserve to be here because of the way I play, not because of you know what I've done in the past. So it's you know, it probably is. You know, looking in, you know, looking into the future, it probably is the last Eurobasket, whether we qualify for the next one or not, um, which I'm sure we will do. But it, for me personally, it is probably you know going to be my last Eurobasket. So I'm really looking forward to the you know the challenge of of what's coming in front of us and, and finishing on a high, basically. Well, those are the views of Dan Clark. Now, of the last four Eurobaskets, Nate Rankings been involved in three of them, 2009 and 11 as a player, 2013 as assistant coach to Joe Prunty. But this is first as the head coach at the helm. Now, GB coming into this tournament of consecutive losses, and it's been a while since we said that, but defeated in last week's FIBA World Cup qualifiers against Belgium, and Latvia. Now, ranking for much of his tenure has been in this unusual situation of running the team remotely due to his commitments in the NBA. But he's had a good run in charge this summer. Tournament basketball, very different though to one or two off games. So what, if anything, has he had to relearn from 2013? It's, um, you know, the last time I was there was with Coach Pronti. Um, so I remember that experience like vividly. And it's just, um, you know, you're playing high-level teams on a daily basis. I mean, there, there's the odd day, you know, in between games. So it's, you know, challenge every night, every day, whatever time your game is. And as soon as it's a quick turnaround to the next one. So it's um, it's one of those things. It's, it feels like a race um, once you're there. But you try and soak in the moment because it's rare that you're in those type of moments um, playing against that sort of competition and elite level players. Does it does it change the dynamic? And this, I guess, will be similar to a player when you you get to spend the time together as a team, you know, and you, you as a coach, you get to be the coach every day like you would do if you were in the NBA or the G League and, and you get to be away together and there's that sort of bond of it all. I mean, is is that more fun or different in any way because of you know, the tournament situation? Um, it is because you're, you're more stable in that environment. Um, and again, it's that tournament feel where, you know, all the other teams are in that same city too. Uh, so it's, you know, you feel the camaraderie like, not just with like you're building it within your own team, but you also feel it within the basketball community too, um, that you're all striving for the same goals. Um, so it, it, like I said, it makes it the tournaments like situation always makes it a little more special than you know you're going somewhere playing a game and going to the next city playing a game. So the environment makes it just feel different. It's a tough group. I mean, my people have called it the group of death, and there's three 
really big teams in that. There's two teams that are very good. You guys are in that mix. Who knows where you sit in that mix right now? But in your own mind, what's what's acceptable here? Is it is it qualification for for the next phase? What, what do you see it when you assess the caliber of opponents that you've got ahead? Yeah, I mean, it's coach speak, but you try and take one game at a time if you're looking at the, the group as a whole. Um, I mean, even the whole tournament, there's there's no there's never a game that you can let up like you're never gonna assess like oh i'll take this win or that win um the goal is to get through the group i mean that's what we're striving for that's what we're aiming for um and like in a tournament situation it doesn't there's the situations are so different daily because who knows the what happened the game before um you know Injuries can happen. The the tiredness after game three, um, where you're possibly mixing lineups and strategies just because of you know you're looking long term over the course of the five games. Um, did somebody go into overtime the day before and they're you know emotionally drained for taking a win or a loss and you you can steal one here or there, um, but overall like the ultimate goal is to get through which we haven't done as a, a program there's a lot of NBA talent you guys have got continuity of roster over a long period of time how much do you lean on that that familiarity and that chemistry to perhaps overcome the talent yeah I mean that's that's probably the premier pin, um, pillar of what we have um, cause we didn't have the prep as these other teams. So we're going to rely extremely heavy on these guys, you know, camaraderie and chemistry that they've built over these past few years to, to qualify here. You've, you've had a bit of time with the team though, and obviously, you know, back with the team for extended spell. Um, is this, what's more fun being coach of this GB team or being a player? <laughs> I'll always say being a player. Um, just the, the locker room and just being, you know, part of that battle on the floor is always, um, in my mind, you don't want to grow up and move on from that. So, um, my enjoyment was always a player. Now, this is fun to try and lead a group in and use, lean on the experiences that I had as a player and try and share that with these guys and hopefully, um, provide some leadership and wisdom to help them reach where they're trying to go. Well, those are the views of Nate Rankin. Now, let's have a quick look at these other groups. Group A in Tbilisi, the capital of Georgia, who are hosting Belgium, Bulgaria, Montenegro, Spain and Turkey. Of course, the big name there is Spain, but a real changing of the guard after the Tokyo Olympics. A very young, unproven lineup for them. Turkey, the probable favourites in that group. In Group B, in Cologne, a, a wealth of NBAers. There are Bosnia Herzegovina, Yusuf Nurkic in their lineup, of course, the Portland Trailblazers, France with Rudy Gobert and Evan Fernier, Germany, the hosts with Dennis Schroeder, Franz Wagner, Hungary, probably the outsiders in that group. Lithuania, always strong. What brilliant fans they will bring with them, of course. Jonas Valanciunas, Doma Sabonis leading their effort. And Slovenia, probably most people's picks for this whole tournament. 
with Luka Doncic and Goran Dragic back in green for the first time since he prematurely retired from international basketball, but now back out for this tournament. And Group D, hosted by Prague in the Czech Republic. Of course, they will host Finland, Israel, Netherlands, Poland, and probably the other short price favourites in the eyes of many. Serbia, of course, led by the reigning NBA MVP Nikola Jokic. Intriguing there, of course, Svetoslav Pesic back in charge, hoping to repeat what he did 20 years ago when he was head coach of Yugoslavia by winning this tournament. The Serbs in recent times under the performers, but will feel that they have a real opportunity this time, certainly to make the podium, if not win this whole thing. So those are the other three groups. And of course, all our attention is on Milan and GB's campaign starting on Friday. It is Ukraine. I mean, so much emotion, of course. You know, one for the neutrals. Who are they going to be supporting is Ukraine, trying to, I guess, bring a little bit of a levity to, uh, in these tough times to their compatriots back home. Then Saturday, GB up against Croatia. Haven't been completely convincing, it has to be said, in the build-up to this, but, you know, that star quality that they always bring, Bogdan Bogdanovic at all, the Croats with that pride tradition of basketball success. Monday night, though, I guess the clash of the group for, for GB, a mouth-watering game against Greece. The Greek freak... The star of the show for sure, Yanis Antetokounmpo and his brothers, of course, as well. You know, Greece really believing that they can end up on the podium and, and return to, to the sort of status that they believe they should get to on basketball terms. Next Tuesday, Estonia, a, a game that GP will really want to win. Um, you know, the other outsiders in, in this group, you know, really a, a game that GP will be targeting. Then finishing up next Thursday evening against the group hosts, Italy. They did use Danilo Gallinari in the, to a late injury, but they still have the likes of Nicolo Melli, Luigi Lentomi, Paul Biglia, and hunting a first European medal since, since 2003. They're certainly on their home court in this group stage. They will be, be very ambitious for, for success to, to get some momentum going into those group stages. So those are GB's five opponents. Nate ranking side 200 to 1 to top the group with some of the bookies. Maybe a little bit harsh given that this is a side that's really learnt to win in recent years. Eurobaskets, of course, very different to those in qualifying for most of these teams though. But Great Britain's other co-captain, Miles Hessen, believes there's something about a winning formula that might give his side a leg up. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've got a good chemistry now with the, the squad that we've had running for the past few years. Um, we've all played with each other for, for a while now and um, we've been gaining confidence year by year. What's been the secret of that? Probably just the continuity of everybody making all the... All the sacrifices they can to, to turn up to the um, to the windows and um, just having that consistent core of, of people and that same philosophy that we've, we've been having so far. Both Nate and Mark Stoodle have talked about the importance within that of the ownership that the players have. How much is that something that you guys have talked about? together or how much even is that a conscious thing that you feel that ownership or how does it manifest itself um i think it's because we're all hungry we're all like basically playing at the same levels if somewhat there's no real superstars there's no nba players on our team so we all know that it's on it's, it's on each and every one of us to to provide something each game and we just take that 
into to everything that we do. Is, is there something in that about everyone being kind of level? You know, there isn't that, that, that superstar player. I mean, we'll set aside Ovi, but you know, that's just, you know, that's fame. But, you know, the, that everyone has a sort of, I guess, an equal stake in this in a sense, don't they? Yeah, there's no egos. It's just one team unit. And uh, I think that's a, a credit to the, the amount of time that we've spent together as well. That's this, this call that I said that we've, we've had for the last three or four years. I can't remember how long the cycle's been, but everyone's been contributing at some point. What's it been like for you? Because you were crazy just at things now. You won your first cup in 2012. And you came into that squad that was... Yeah, it, it was the Lowell Deng, it was the Pops, it was the you know the Archibalds, the big era of the, the Olympics. Look back now, that ten years. What was that like as a young player, getting a sh- an insight, a chance in that environment? Yeah, that was um, it was a different time. Obviously, in the sport, there was a a lot bigger funding going on, and yeah, there was a lot more star power on our teams that we were playing with at the time. And, it was good to to be around it to see the different type of players and stuff that coming from coming from England and it was a uh, one well, England Great Britain sorry and uh, yeah it was it was good for me as a young player to to be around that and learn from that. What did you learn? Just how to be a professional really. Um, just watching how different players carried themselves on and off the court and what they did pre practice after practice and just things like that really. How has playing for GB helped you? Because you've had this, you know, this fantastical journey you know, coming through, you know, effectively a BBL apprenticeship with Essex, and then getting you know, shot at Mersey, but then going into mainland Europe and sort of climbing up the ladder, which is such a model for for young players. But how has the, how has the international side of that helped you to keep making those kind of steps? In playing against other nations, other nationalities, other teams, and being able to compete and feel as though that I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm not out of my depth, and I, I'm basically competing with with guys that are playing in Euro League and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a it's a great confidence boost, and um, yeah, that's what I've been been happy about my whole. GB career, national career, we've, we've competed regardless of what team was in front of us. And you've you've been part of that year along with you know Dan, but not you know, not many others that you know that saw that post Olympic. You know it hung on for a little bit, but then there was that dip, and now it's the climb again. But during that sort of dip period, were there points when you thought you know are we going to get enough talent? Are we going to get continuity? Are we going to get back to being in tournaments again when you know it's it seems to have slid from this incredible peak yeah i mean i've always been confident in the in the talent that we've been able to bring through especially in like great britain there's a lot of talent especially younger players it's just about giving them the opportunity to to play internationally i know the on the 20s missed out this year which was a which was a big a big problem um that needs to be addressed. But uh, other than that, with the men's team, we've, we've 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 gone through quite a few players. A few players have come into the system and come out of it, and 
I think the last few years we've had a, a solid core of guys that stuck stuck with it and stuck by it, and that's that's um, that's why we've been so successful as of late. Past teams have talked, particularly at major tournaments, about about that chip on the shoulder, about wanting to prove to the powers that be, whoever those powers might be, whether it's UK Sport or other funders or even sponsors, that this this is a team worth investing in, us, a sport worth investing in. Is that chip, in a sense, still there because basketball's still probably not getting its first shake? For sure. I think that chip's always going to be there, whether we get the funding we want or not. Um, it's just the under, underdog mentality that we've always had in this country because it's not a French, it's not a powerhouse basketball country, it's not Lithuania, it's not, it's, I don't think we'll be able to get to them levels in, re, in, in any time soon, but hopefully we can. And I think even, even when we do get to that level in, in our own countries, I think we'll still have that type of mentality. I think that's just, that's just our identity as, as, as Brits. Because you're someone that came through a club in City in Birmingham and then worked your way up. And there wasn't that really that support there. You've had to do most of this off, you know, if you're in bad, it's been hard work and talent. But what more do you think the sport could do if it had that level of funding, level of just resource that other sports do get? Um, I know without going into too much politics and stuff like that, that I'm not really, uh, what's, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but yeah, like having played in, in France and Germany and seeing the pathways that their, their youth systems have, I think if we can get anywhere near to the, the model that they have over there, giving the young guys a chance to play professionally or practice with a professional team at a high level from an early age, I think that was it works really well for for those countries and I don't see why it wouldn't work for us. Because do you feel that as well? I mean, you, you, you've played in those you know, countries that have good systems and they've got good pyramids and they've got that junior to senior transition within the same clubs and it's it's very knitted up in a way that we just don't have in the UK. Is, is that possibly the next stage of the sport? As much as we talk about investment and growing the BBL and stuff, but is that the thing that you've seen abroad that you think... That's that's something we need to get better at. Yeah, for sure. I think with all the teams that I've been involved in in, in France, they've had under twenty ones teams that have we've had about maybe four or five of the under twenty one prospects practicing with us daily, and you see them get better and get better, and then years down the line, a few of them have been drafted or so. It's just, you can see the progression and they can see the pathway for themselves as well from an early age. And I think once we get on that type of level, I think the sky's the limit for that. You can see um, Leicester have been successful with it almost um, with uh, with Charnwood and Loughborough. It's like a direct pathway from from school to university to professional level. And I think we need more of that. It's been quite a summer already. Um, we've, got, we've got to talk about Birmingham, home time, 3x3, Commonwealth, overtime, game-winning shot. Describe that game's experience for you. Is the, is the, is the home time hero you know, crowned? Yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity experience. 
um, and to cap it off the way that we did with going undefeated and winning the way that we did, yeah, I couldn't have imagined uh, a better way to, to finish and it was just a, an amazing experience. As a sporting experience with you know, 3x3, not, not everyone kind of gets it yet, not everyone's even really seen it yet, and it was a, it was a showcase in a sense for it. Do you come out of that this summer and probably yeah, the past 12 months with a different perspective on where that fits for you and where that the format can fit within the game? Um, for me personally, I I love playing three s three, but I, obviously I get I get paid to play five v five, and that's <laughs> that's where I'm gonna continue to to play unless something drastically changes. Um, I think three s three is another pathway for for players to to play the sport, to just get involved in it, not even just to make money or to to do anything like that, but to travel as well. It's just a great a great format of the game, and it's easy to play, and I. I really enjoy it, and I, I know a lot of people would as well. Five x five is obviously the focus. The next few weeks, Eurobasket. Um, I mean, it's a tough group. Um, you're co-captain, and you know, captains in sports can sometimes be in cricket. It can be essential in other sports. It's ceremonial. It's co-captain. How do you? What do you? What do you do in this role? What What is the co-captain's primary job going into a tournament like this? Um, I don't really. I don't really consider myself as a, a captain and I need to tell people what to do. I just, I like to just lead by example. I mean, I'm one of the more, more experienced guys on the team now. So I use that experience just to just to keep everyone levels, keep everyone like, going in the right direction and just, yeah, follow by example, lead by example, sorry. When you look at the group, you'll get to play against NBA players. And there's you know the big names there, and you didn't have as much of that in 2012 when and the past when there's been NBA players a lot more in the summers. But is is what's the level of excitement? Forget about the challenge. What's the level of excitement against you're gonna against getting the chance to play against some of the biggest and best players in the world? I'm looking forward to it. I think everyone else is too. I mean, we're all basketball players at the end of the day, and um, you want to play against the best and that's what we're going to be up against and I think maybe afterwards after the after the fact then you can look back and think oh wow that was a, a great experience to play against I don't know like a Yanis or something like that but before right now he's just another basketball player that we need to to play against and it's the same as anybody that we come up against it's, it's all basketball at the end of the day and um, we've got to go out there and win those games How much will you I don't know is there an advantage perhaps that you know them. You know what they do. They don't know you. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, yeah, we just got to go out there and execute our game plan, and, and that's all we can we can worry about. I mean, it's a tough group. I know, obviously, is that cliche about taking one game at a time. But do you go in as a group? Do you think with the success you've had and with the wins and with the continuity, telling yourselves, yeah, we should absolutely be aiming for the knockout stages. Yeah, I think we can't be aiming for anything less than that. We'd be doing ourselves a discredit to go in there thinking that we're still the underdogs and this is a hard group and that we can't get wins and this and other. No, we can't have that mentality. Um, going into each game, like you said, game by game, we've got to go in with the same the same mentality to win each game. And for you, what's a, what is a successful tournament? As many wins as we can. 
um, just playing the best that uh, the best that we possibly can, and that's it. As long as we leave it all on the floor, we can't can't be disappointed with anything. Any, anything that happens after that. And of course, you got to be first to get Jan- swap jerseys with Janus. <laughs> I don't know about that fanboy stuff. Maybe afterwards. Maybe <laughs> after the whole tournament. But I don't know about it. And that's the thoughts of Miles Hessen. And that is Eurobasket 2022 preview. The tournament starts on Thursday. GB's group getting underway a day later. That opening fixture against Ukraine. A 1.15pm tip-off in the UK. If you want to watch it all, it's available via FIBA's streaming service, courtside 1891.basketball. And of course, you will also be able to get full and comprehensive coverage from Milan via mvp247.com and via our Facebook and Twitter pages. Make sure you're subscribed to those or to my Twitter at Mark Burple. That's it for this edition of the MVP cast. All the previous editions, of course, as always available via the website or via your preferred podcast provider. Until next time, though, thank you so much for listening. And for me, Mark Woods, enjoy Eurobasket, and it's bye for now. (laughs) 